I don't know about you guys, but I'm in the mood for another team award episode. So who is the most improved player? Who's the most slept on player? Who is the MVP? Best offensive player? Well, uh, NHL reached out to three Devils media personalities and got their opinions. And I want to break it all down in today's episode. Buckle up. There's a lot to talk about. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck. What a shot. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. All righty now. What is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Chalky, play-by-play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. It's been an eventful week, to say the least. Barry Trotz being fired by Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders, the amount of Game 7s in the Stanley Cup Finals, Kevin Fiala being rumored to be on the move, and then, of course, the New Jersey Devils landing the second overall pick in this year's NHL Draft. I've been covering that pick and all possible circumstances throughout the entirety of this week, some of which included doing a crossover with Jersey Joe, talking about certain trade rumors and discussions, and what not to do with the pick. And something I forgot to mention in yesterday's episode... Uh, remember when we traded the ninth overall pick for Corey Schneider and how did that turn out for us? So, uh, if you guys missed the last episode, I was basically talking about the main thing not to do with the second overall pick is to not trade for a goalie because a goalie can only provide so many years. We're not going to get someone who's like Marty Brodeur who, who sticks around with an organization for like 15 or so years. And, uh, the New Jersey Devils fell victim to trading a top notch pick for a goalie. And that was Corey Schneider did not work out for us. And, you know, I talked about all other sorts of circumstances as well but before I continue I just want to thank you guys for watching my crossover with Jersey Joe on YouTube because it was able to reach a thousand views now I know there's some YouTubers out there that reach that kind of view count every day including some of my colleagues here at Locked On so something like that isn't a big deal to them but I've never reached that before so it certainly does mean a lot to me I also appreciate the discussion in the comments section whether it's with me or amongst each other I love it when a topic sparks extensive conversation. One of my personal goals was to reach 300 subscribers by the end of August, but I think I'm well on the pace to pass that with ease, but we'll see what happens as the summer progresses. Once again, thank you guys for growing my brand on YouTube and also listening on your favorite podcast streaming service. Now, on to business. Like I just mentioned moments ago, I have been talking around the clock about the second overall pick, but I want to take a break from that topic for right now because there will definitely be a lot more to talk about within these next couple of months leading up to the draft in July. I want to revisit a concept that I did a few days ago, which is give individual awards to players on the Devils roster, some of which include MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and so on. NHL.com recently released an article and asked three Devils media members, Amanda Stein, Sam Casson, and also Chris Westcott, on their opinion of individual awards on the Devils roster. So we're going to take a look at that, and I'll determine whether or not I agree with it, because there's certainly some interesting ones. So this article was released on May 4th, so it's still relatively new, and I think uh, it, after reading over it first glance, I think it's very interesting, and I want to give you guys my initial reaction. So let's start with the big one. Let's start with Team MVP. So if you guys recall from a previous episode that I did, I said that, you know, despite Jesper Bratt leading our team in assists and points and being tied with Jack Hughes for most goals on a team, I would still have to give the slight edge to Jack Hughes just because when Jack Hughes was playing, our team went to another level. So 
Uh, interestingly enough, none of these three riders picked Jesper Bratt as their MVP, but Sam picked Nico Heischer. That's an interesting one. I felt as though Nico Heischer was definitely under the radar. He's definitely a great two-way player. He's a great leader, and I feel as though Heischer's production just falls underneath the radar just due to the fact that Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes were able to have career years, but it shouldn't uh, be overlooked as to what Nico Heischer was able to do with this team because he was able to, you know, uh, make our top six that more effective because once he got Jesper Bratt onto his line, it gave him more options to work with. It gave him better tools to try to utilize his skills because if you guys recall, Lindy Ruff would pair Jack Hughes alongside with Jesper Bratt, which was good for our top line and they were able to get their numbers, but someone like Nico Heischer was just in need of some help because we just needed to spread it out a little bit more. I remember writing an article about that for Pucks and Pitchforks, but Nico Heischer was able to have a career year. He was able to have a career high in points. He had 60 surpassing his previous career high, which was actually his rookie year. So uh, Heischer finished the season with 21 goals, 39 assists for a grand total of 60 points once again. And he played in the second most games that he's ever played in the NHL at 70. Remember his rookie year, he was able to compete in all 82 games. But nonetheless, I'm very proud of Nico Heischer. Would he be my MVP? I don't think so. But I do believe that Nico Heischer definitely deserves more love and recognition for what he was able to do this past season for New Jersey Devils and how he's been outspoken. He's not afraid to just say what's on his mind. He's not afraid to just, you know, call out the coaching staff. He's not afraid to call out himself, his teammates, wherever the case might be. Because if you guys recall, back in January, he dropped a couple F-bombs in his post-game interview after the New Jersey Devils lost to the Arizona Coyotes. And that was a crushing defeat. Mackenzie Blackwood went down. And if you guys recall, the very next day, the New Jersey Devils had a practice and he sure didn't show up to it. So it grew a lot of speculation as to whether or not there was trouble in paradise. But uh, luckily, everything was able to, you know, work out on its own. But overall, he sure was just great in the locker room. He's great as uh, a captain. He's great as a leader. And he was very effective on the rink as well. So once again, he's not my MVP, but I feel as though he deserves a lot more recognition for what he was able to do to the organization this previous year. And I feel as though... Uh, come next year, come this upcoming season, I feel as though he sure could take his game to an even greater level and uh, our big three, our baby big three will definitely be more effective and it will put a lot more people on the map because it starts with our leader, it starts with our captain. If the Devils really want to go to the next level and be that dark horse wildcard team, it starts with the captain of the organization once again. And then Chris chose Jack Hughes, agree with that. I gave you guys uh, that reason a few moments ago, but Amanda chose something very surprising. She chose not Heischer, not Brat, not Hughes. She chose Jonas Siegenthaler, and I'm going to give you guys that reasoning. So she said, with MVP, to me, is someone who isn't easily replaced. And with the current roster structure, uh, Siegenthaler held the position for me. The loss of a top four leaves space for the next big goal scorer slash points getter to eat up the ice time and play in the top spots with the current roster structure and the team with the options of Brad, Hughes, and Heizer to name a few. But the shutdown defensive role, that was Siegenthaler's and his alone, whereas uh, the loss of another player were options for others to step up. When Siegenthaler was out, he required a commitment to fill his shoes. And she felt as though, like when Siegenthaler went down, 
you really felt his presence not being there. Now, here's the thing. I do agree with her in sort of a sense, which is Siegenthaler's absence was definitely felt. And Siegenthaler was definitely our most consistent defenseman. And she's right in a sense, which is like when Brat goes down, then Hughes steps up. Or if Hughes goes down, then Brat steps up. Or if Heischer steps down, then maybe someone else steps up. Someone like uh, Sharon Govich or someone of that nature. So she she is right, which is the Devils do have a lot of options when it comes to Ford. Because I believe that they're a Ford-heavy team. Because it's one of the reasons why they were able to have that offensive surge once Jack Hughes returned from injury. And during like the month of January and like half of February, the New Jersey Devils were like one of the best offensive teams in the league and I genuinely believe that but the reason they didn't get much attention was because uh, despite scoring seven goals they let up six so it really just fell underneath the radar in terms of their overall production so she does have a point in that sense but I believe Siegenthaler is not really an MVP type of player he's a glue player which is he's the type of person similar to Miles Wood which is he might not show the most production but at the same time, we do need his presence. We do need him to shut down defensively. And I, I can't say enough about his consistency on the defensive side of things because if you look at him first glance, people will think that he's just a mediocre player or just non-existent. That's why the Washington Capitals didn't really value him and we were able to get him for essentially nothing. But overall, Siegenthaler is that type of player who you know relies on the advanced analytics to show his overall style play and his production is there. But the, the fact of the matter is that Unfortunately, he just doesn't have the stats to back it up. So my thing about Siegenthaler is, yes, he was a shutdown defenseman, and that was great for our organization, and he is a glue piece similar to Miles Wood. But at the same time, I'm not really willing to give him the MVP type of role. So Amanda Stein, I agree with her somewhat, but giving Siegenthaler the MVP is kind of pushing it, in my opinion. So Offensive Player of the Year, Sam said Hughes, Amanda said Hughes, and Chris said Jesper Bratt. Now, here's the thing. Like, I, I think in the previous individual team award I did, I said that Jack Hughes was the MVP, but Jesper Bratt was the best offensive player. But I'm going to have to go for offensive production. I'll go with Jesper Bratt because he was able to lead the team in points, assists, and he was tied with Jack Hughes for most goals on the team. So I'll definitely give it to Jesper Bratt, and he's credited with leading our team in goals since um, he was able to get uh, a goal, obviously, later in the year compared to Jack Hughes, who had to get shut down. So once again, um, MVP goes to Jack Hughes, but Offensive Player of the Year, Jesper Bratt. I, I, I can agree with that, and I can see that in that sort of sense. So defensive player of the year now you probably already know who's going to win that award by a majority vote but there was one reporter who gave it to a player you wouldn't expect it because we always talk about him being a bonehead i think you guys know where i'm getting at but before we continue i want to give you guys the first live read this morning and it comes from our friends at built bar so i need you to imagine this you're dipping your fingers into that plastic tube of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Bilt. I just received my birthday cake puffs and I have never had anything like this before. It was soft, easy to chew, delicious, and uh, like I said, only 150 calories per bar. So they're available right now, and we can't promise that they will be there tomorrow. So go get them today at built.com. And if you haven't tried the puffs, I'll let you in on a little secret because that's what friends do, right? A chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar? Yeah, you heard me. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Make sure uh, every day is your birthday with Built's Birthday Cake Puffs. Built has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake 
and it only uh, is 150 calories and it's 100% white chocolate added with sprinkles. So with 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, only nine grams of sugar, this limited time flavor is an amazing option if you are looking for a healthy way to get the flavor and variety in your day. All Built Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing so. And they are made with collagen protein with your body absorbs most efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So go to Built.com and get birthday cake puffs right now. The offer is go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKS15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. And now the second live read comes for our friends at BetOnline.net. So our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, MLB scores, fights, Stanley Cup playoffs, and even the next season's NFL futures. BetOnline.net is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your sport betting needs there as well. Okay, so, hmm, defensive player of the year. Who is that going to go to? Well, Chris said Siegenthaler. Amanda said Siegenthaler because, you know, uh, Amanda automatically gave Siegenthaler MVP. I can't really fault Chris or Amanda for giving it to Siegenthaler because the thing about Siegenthaler, he was able to eat up the minutes on the penalty kill. He was a threat to the opponent's top players with his stick play, and he has a big body and his high hockey IQ. You know, like I said, most consistent defenseman on the New Jersey Devils. Now, you would think that Sam would choose Sigathaler as well, and this would be the first unanimous award between the three. Nope. He gave it to Damon Severson. So here's his reasoning. Severson enjoyed a career year for New Jersey across the board offensively with 11 goals, 35 assists, and 46 points. In addition to all that, he also led the team in average ice time with about 23 minutes of played over 25 minutes in 24 contests. That's how reliable he was. He played ebbed and flowed, but his offensive production and power play were combined with mostly solid play in his own end, puts him in a notch above Siegenthaler in my eyes. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not, no way, no way. We were talking about trading Damon Severson, uh, prior to the trade deadline and we're giving him defensive player of the year for New Jersey Devils. Um, I don't agree with that, quite honestly. I'm not saying, you know, Severson is a bad, uh, player you know I like his offensive production on the defensive side of things and I feel like he's one of our better you know offensive weapons on the defensive side of things especially with Subban's production going down Ryan Graves being more uh focused on like plus minus and Dougie Hamilton not really having the year he anticipated but Damon Severson defensive player of the year look here's the thing about uh Sam he mentioned mostly about Severson's offensive work and that's great and all and you know I talked to Christy uh Flannery of the hockey writers and she likes Damon Severson too but I'm sorry I I, I can't give it to um Damon Severson I have to stick with Siegenthaler in this uh regard so once again uh you know Severson might be on borrowed time with the New Jersey Devils so we'll see what happens but uh let's move on to rookie of the year so Rookie of the year, Sam said Dawson Mercer, Chris said Mercer as well, Amanda said Nico Dawes. Now, here's the thing with uh, Dawson Mercer. So, Mercer was able to be the only New Jersey Devil to play in 82 games. He and the two rookies from uh, Detroit, so Raymond and Sider, also suited up for uh, 82 games as well. I believe they were the only rookies in the NHL to play in all 82 contests, and 
Uh, Mercer, you know, he's definitely an Ironman, and he was able to score 17 goals. And uh, at times, Mercer did go in and out, and it just seemed like his work and production wasn't there because I mentioned on the show before, there were sometimes five or 10 game stretches in which Mercer put up little to nothing on the offensive side of things. And I believe uh, moving Mercer to the wing position and having Jack Hughes maneuver the center position really did wonders for Mercer and just, you know, put him back into a rhythm and similar to Yegor Sharangovich as well. So I can agree that I would give it to Dawson Mercer. We did have a lot of young guys come up late in the year, but that doesn't really qualify as a rookie year as you guys are aware of that. So someone like Zetterlin and also maybe someone like Holtz, it wasn't their rookie year this year. And then going to Amanda Stein's um, pick for Nico Dawes, I guess because uh, there was no like goalie of the year. So I can kind of understand in that regards why you would choose uh, Nico Dawes because you do want to give Nico Dawes the credit that he deserves. Because here's the thing, guys, I don't think Nico Dawes was a disappointment, but Overall, it's just like he was just thrust into a role that he was not prepared for. And unfortunately, uh, the, the numbers showed that I, I felt as though the numbers just didn't really do him justice. But his overall production and his determination to just try to help save face uh, for the New Jersey Devils who were struggling mightily at the goalie position. So I feel as though I agree with Amanda Stein in this sort of way, which is I believe Nico Dawes deserves more recognition and love for what he's doing. Would I give him the rookie of the year over um, uh, Dawson Mercer? No, but looking back on the article, there was no pick for goalie of the year because the New Jersey Devils just weren't good enough to have that kind of award. But ultimately, I, I do agree with her in that sense. And I guess she just wanted to give Nico Dawes uh, his uh, credit that he deserved. Now, most improved player. So Sam said Siegenthaler. I would have to agree with that. But then again, Siegenthaler was given a much bigger role compared to uh, his Washington Capitals days. So it, the fact that we gave him a bigger role and the, and the fact that he was given more opportunities uh, it, it was just, he was more destined to just put up better production. And then uh, Chris gave it to Jesper Boquist. I would have to um, definitely agree in that regards because Jesper Boquist uh, caught fire towards the end of the year and he was able to prove a lot of people wrong, including myself, because this season for Jesper Boquist, he was able to appear in 56 games. He had 10 goals, 13 assists for a grand total, 23 points and a plus minus of negative nine. Career highs throughout all the boards. His pre previous career high came last year in points uh, with seven. And he, he tied his career high in goals with four. And last year, he had a career high in assists as well with three. But his uh, first year in the league was uh, zero. So, Jesper Boquist, I would definitely have to say mo most improved player. And Amanda agreed in that sense, too, because she also picked Boquist. But overall, it's just like Jesper Boquist, he proved me wrong. He proved a lot of people wrong because before the season even started, I said Jesper Boquist would be waived by the New Jersey Devils come January. I genuinely believe that because I was like, I don't want him to take up a spot in Utica. I don't want, um, I don't think anyone is going to want him on their team. So I don't think we could trade him away. So I think the New Jersey Devils will have no choice but to waive him. And Jesper Boquist, uh, this was a contract year for him because this was the final year of his deal and he was able to make the most of it. So uh, credit where credit is due for Jesper Boquist. So most improved player, yep, I would definitely have to agree in that sort of way. It's going to have to go to Jesper Boquist. Now, let's move on to the next award, which is Biggest Surprise. So, 
Uh, Sam said Nico Dawes, and you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say Nico Dawes was a surprise per se. It was just that we we really didn't have any other options because who are we going to give it to? Akira Schmid or uh, John Gillies? Uh, no, so I, I don't feel like he was a surprise. I just felt like you know when Bernier and Blackwood went down with injuries, we we had no choice but to go to him. He was a decent surprise. He had a few good games, but you know, uh, nothing impressive. And then uh, Chris gave it to Fabian Zetterlin. So um, yeah, that was definitely a surprise because Zetterlin is a big body. And you know that Tom Fitzgerald and Lindy Ruff are big on uh, just having uh, big bodies uh, in their lineup. So Fabian Zetterlin, that, that was definitely a surprise. And then Amanda said Mercer. I don't think Mercer was a surprise. I, I think we expected even more from Mercer, quite honestly. But I'd say Mercer was a surprise during training camp in the preseason because, remember, he and Alexander Holtz were competing for that final roster spot. And I said that, you know, I wish I could give it to both of them because they both deserved it. But if I had to give it to someone, like if you put a gun in my head and I had to choose one or the other, I'm going to have to go with Dawson Mercer because he was able to make a few plays during the preseason that you just cannot teach. Like he, he knew where to go. He was in the right place at the right possible time so I said it and I have the receipts I said Dawson Mercer would make the roster over Alexander Holtz if I had to choose one at that exact moment so I don't believe Mercer was a surprise but maybe towards like like I said the preseason but during the course of the year I think we expected that from Mercer because he's a former uh first round pick so I think uh Mercer was uh I I, I wouldn't say he was a surprise but Fabian Zetterlin coming up from Utica and having somewhat of a productive uh uh, showing, I, I would definitely give it to uh, Fabian Zetterlin in that regard. So Fabian Zetterlin, um, uh, biggest surprise. You know, I don't, oh, geez. Like, there's just, I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's another player who deserves that award for, for biggest surprise. But I don't know the reason why. Because, you know, Dougie Hamilton, no. Ryan Graves, no. But, uh, I guess Fabian Zetterlin has to be it because in 14 games played, he was able to rack up three goals, five assists for a grand total of eight points. So um, I'll, I'll agree with Chris in this regards. Now, most underrated. Now, this is probably the more interesting one because I felt as though the Devils' uh, entire roster is underrated just because the record didn't do them justice and unfortunate circumstances didn't go their way. So uh, most underrated. Sam said PK Subban. I can, you know, agree with that in that regards. He said that, you know, while Subban wasn't the offensive juggernaut that he once was, and, uh, you know, because he's a former Norris Trophy winner, Subban has quietly evolved into a defensive type defenseman that is reliable, steady, and shown a pension for sticking up for his teammates. So, uh, PK Subban, uh, I would say underrated, yes, because I feel as though that PK Subban deserves another chance with the Devils roster, just with a more favorable contract, if that makes sense. So, PK Subban, underrated, undervalued. I would say that I would really want him to come back to the Devils organization, quite honestly. I don't know who's with me in that regards, but I feel as though PK Subban deserves another crack at, at in the Prudential Center. Now, Amanda said Miles Wood, and you know, here's why. We only saw Miles Wood in three games this season, but it was the other 79 games that makes him the most underrated player. Wood was consistently missed throughout the lineup, whether for his spark plug play, his speed, his fearlessness, and his rah-rah attitude on the bench. So that's why Amanda Stein gave it to Miles Wood. I agree with her in that, in that case too. But, you know, that's a little interesting giving it to Miles Wood because we barely talked about him throughout the entirety of the season. The only time we talked about Miles Wood was come around springtime when it was rumored that he was going to return. And I just said, no, that's a big mistake. Do not bring Miles Wood back. But I would have to agree with her maybe in that sort of way because Miles Wood 
is definitely very underrated. Like she said, uh, he only appeared in three games this year, but last year, Miles Wood was able to have somewhat of a career year because he was able to rack up uh, 17 goals, eight assists for a grand total of 25 points. Keep in mind, this was during you know the pandemic when the season was shortened to 56 games. He suited up in 55 of them, and then uh, if he played in a full 82-game season or if he just played in a few more games, he definitely could have beaten his career high in points dating back to 2017 and 2018 when he was able to have 32 and he had 19 goals to go along with it. And he also had uh, a career year in assists the very next one, 2018-2019, with 14. So I feel as though you give Miles Wood 82-game slate back in 2020-2021, he's going to have a career year, no ands, ifs, or buts about it. So I feel as though Miles Wood being underrated, I would have to agree with her in that regards. And I really did miss Miles Wood, and I was so ticked off when he got hurt in preseason because it's another it's another reason why I'm not really big on you know playing your best players during preseason because they got nothing to gain, but they got everything to lose because if they win doesn't mean anything if they you know have a hat trick doesn't mean anything if they have a few big hits doesn't mean anything but if they get hurt that means the world so miles wood uh underrated we did miss him and i i I felt as though it was very sweet of amanda stein to give uh miles wood his credit in that regards and then chris said nico he and like I said at the beginning of the episode, I felt as though Nico Heischer was very underrated for the Devils roster just based on what Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes did. So now, out of all the three, which one do I agree with the most? Well, I'm going to have to go with Nico Heischer in this regards because I feel as though people aren't really talking about his production. They're not talking about his career year. They're not talking about his leadership as I feel as though people should be talking about. So while I agree with Sam, while I agree with Amanda, I'm going to have to go with um, Chris in this case and go with Nico Heischer as being the most underrated player for a New Jersey Devils roster. But then again, I feel as though everyone on the Devils roster is underrated. So let me know what you guys think because uh, this was based on Chris, Amanda, and also uh, Sam who are Devils uh, media personalities and uh, this was featured on NHL.com and I felt as though it was very interesting. I want to give my two cent opinion. So let me know what you guys think. Do you agree with their list? Do you agree with their picks? Do you agree with my reasoning as well? Because I gave uh, reasoning as to whether or not I agreed with them. So uh, let me know what you guys think in the comment section on YouTube. Once again, thanks for growing the brand. If you're listening on a podcast streaming service, hit me up on my personal Twitter page at TreyMatt4 and also the show's Twitter page at LockedOnDevils. And as for today's episode, that's all the time I have for you guys. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening.